This is Rob and Steve here for another exciting episode of the N64U podcast. Coming at you with high-end amateur reviews and scoring for all your favorite and unknown N64 titles. Today in episode 12, we'll be taking a look at one of N64's most popular titles, Star Fox 64. That's right, Stephen. Star Fox 64, which was released in 1997, developed and published by Nintendo. And this game is basically a direct response to Star Fox 2 for the Super Nintendo, uh, which was famously canceled in 1995. Basically, Sony and Sega were blowing the pants off of Nintendo in terms of 3D graphics. So Nintendo's like, well, we don't want to we don't want to release this game, which is kind of the best we can do right now in terms of 3D when all of these, when all of their competitors are uh, kind of killing it. So ultimately, which is ridiculous, the game was finished, but never released. And instead of releasing Star Fox 2, they started uh, working immediately on their, their 3D Star Fox game. I'd actually never heard that before. I uh, I didn't realize there was such competition 3D at that point in time or that early in um, some of these systems, at least on, on the Super Nintendo anyway. Um, very fascinating to hear that they basically carried a lot of that over to uh, Star Fox 64. And it does seem like they must have taken a lot of uh, that development time to produce, produce a relatively good game. Yeah, and they also... From what I understand, they pulled a lot from Star Fox 2. I haven't played Star Fox 2 too much, but it uh, uh, they pulled a lot of that game into Star Fox 64. So they had a good a good bit of uh, of a head start. You can totally tell, too, because the game is very, very well thought out, well developed and uh, progresses nicely as well. So definitely does appear like they took their time in putting this one together. Yeah, baby. Well, what do you think, Steve? Do you want to get into it? Yeah, let's uh, I'll first remind them, uh, remind the audience of our categories. So first, our categories are mechanics, how the game is structured, gameplay, how the game progresses through that existing structure, followed by difficulty, sound design, visual presentation, story, and finally, modern day appeal. How well does this game hold up today? And is it a game you'd be willing to play now? Our first category, Rob, if you'd like to get into mechanics, uh, why don't you start us off? Absolutely. Uh, the first thing I'd like to say, Stephen, you know, whenever I, whenever I ask you to remind the audience, I always call them beautiful, and I I noticed that you didn't call the audience beautiful, and you know they're looking how, a how little th- ugly today. Oh, dude, that's messed <laughs> no, up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We love our <laughs> audience, all our vast uh, listeners out there. Yeah, and you know, if if we don't call them beautiful, who's gonna? That's that's my take. They really needed that boost today, is what I would say. Yeah, man. Well, anyways. Uh, getting into mechanics, let's, let's start off with this. So basically Star Fox 64, for those who don't know, is a rail shooter game where you blast the hell out of your enemies. The game will occasionally break into this all terrain mode too. So usually your ship is being kind of pulled along as you shoot, but it will occasionally break into all terrain mode, which basically puts you in this like self-contained battlefield where you'll then have a battle and you're kind of confined in this space until the fight is finished. I really enjoy the fact that this game does break it up into both features because we've previously played Sin and Punishment and uh, 
that's my first time I think I've ever heard the term rail shooter, but that game keeps you in that format the entirety of the time, and it gets a little stale after a while, and I actually think the mechanic here of um, switching between both fighting types, that rail-style shooter plus that freeform battle mode, um, I actually think lends this game to be much more fun. Yeah, and in addition to the all-terrain mode, they also give you a variety of vehicles. You know, most of the time you're in your your ship, but there's also the Landmaster tank style that, uh, although is very similar to the ship, the the Arwing, it's it has its own like flavor that makes it feel like you're playing something different, even though it's familiar. And apparently there's also a submarine, which uh, I never unlocked that stage. I haven't played that one. I was going to say, I actually, I didn't realize there was a submarine involved. Yeah, that's, that's one of the um, alternate paths that you can, you can unlock. And I watched a video of the submarine stage and it looks pretty sick. So I'm going to have to go back and, and play it for myself. That's really interesting. Um, one other thing that I actually really liked about this game, and I don't know how you felt about it, but I loved the component of the AI companion fighters with you. Um, I actually think that mechanic of having like a group style of fighting actually made this game way more fun because there's a lot of objectives of just purely like keeping your partners protected throughout the game. So I actually found that to be a very interesting uh, setup as well. I loved it for the most part because you know, it really makes you feel like you're a part of a team. You know, a lot of the, you know, when you think of, you know, dog fighting and general like ship fighting, you usually you got a wingman or, or, you know, it's usually some form of a, a team battle. So having your allies backing you up, I think is a really nice, like, even though they're kind of useless a lot of the time, uh, it, it's, it, it, it does instill this feeling of like camaraderie and teamwork. Maybe this is me being a little naive, but I always felt like they at least did a decent job with having like a lot of uh, assistance and just uh, eliminating all the periphery fighters. And I don't know if it's maybe just because I sucked at this game really bad at times. Like I'd go through (laughs) stretches of like only having one partner with me because I let everybody else die. And uh, I personally felt like there was a difference between having the three fighters with you uh, as opposed to just the one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, I guess they were, they were picking up some of your slack maybe. Yeah. Get like a lot of those edge guys from you. They're very irrelevant in like those boss battles that they eventually have. But, um, I do think like on the journey in certain levels, I do think they, they give you some good periphery fire. Yeah. I think my biggest problem is I'm like in the thick of it fighting a boss. It's like, I'm trying to kill Andros's five-star general. And then I have slippy just like begging for help and i'm like look i'm trying to do something man like you take care of those guys i agree absolutely useless in those boss fights having huge fists fly at you through the air and he's kind of just off you know way to the right not really firing or doing anything for you right so you know it, it there's definitely i think a lot more uh positives associated with the the party system but you know it can get a little annoying at times But yeah, and I guess back to kind of the basic setup of the game, you're it's broken up into several missions and you have a set number of lives. 
and you can gain more lives basically by murdering bad dudes. The more bad dudes that you murder, the more points you get, and eventually the that that'll result in extra lives. I actually I actually loved the fact that uh, your kill count basically is what dictated the amount of lives that you get through the game because a lot of shooting games in my or a lot of space invader-esque shooting games of this time I felt like really only gave you point value to it where there wasn't too frequently a low enough point score to get that extra free life in a lot of these space type fighting games I feel like for this game in particular that to get that extra live through your kills, it was at a lower threshold that made it a little more reasonable and made it a little more rewarding to actually go out of your way and kill extra enemies. Yeah, and also, like, speaking of the the point score, like, I feel like, you know, points are so almost irrelevant. Like, kind of, it's like, what is a point? Like, what what's the value of a point? When exactly. You, when you look at that number in Star Fox 64, you know that that's how many lives you took. I love that. Carries a lot of weight. (laughs) I I love that on so many different levels because I do agree. Like a lot of these space fighting games in the past, they'll give you like 100 points for this guy, 150 points for this guy. I'd rather know how many enemies I actually like humiliated throughout each level. Right. And it's all it's almost like metaphorical, too. It's you. It's like a life for a life. It's like some Koda Hammurabi shit or something. Hell yeah. So in in addition to the lives you you can collect these like pentagons through throughout the game like the silver ones give you health the is that is that the right shape a pentagon is I, that what they are? I don't know if that like it's kind of hard I just I I kept on calling them rings they reminded me of like the rings that you see in Sonic 2 from Sega like same type of concept of the way they look to me Yeah but they but they weren't circular, though, right? They, I think they were five-sided. Maybe. I haven't I, done geometry in a very, while. So. I would agree. I'm not great with shapes. But uh, <laughs> I, would, I, call, I kept on calling them rings. They were circular, close enough to me. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you can collect three of these unidentifiable geometric shapes of gold color to increase your life meter. You can also collect bomb power-ups. And uh, laser power-ups as well. So there's there's lots of stuff to grab while you're flying around. And those power-ups are really essential to the gameplay. And uh, we can definitely get that into that more next. But those collectibles uh, mechanically are very important to this game. Yeah. And and the last thing I'll say in terms of mechanics that that I'd like to mention is the fact that it is four-player multiplayer compatible. and there are a few different types of games that you can play. There's like a point match, and basically you have to murder your friend, uh, and there's a predetermined amount of lives. And there you have a battle royale style where the last person remaining wins. And there's like a time trial where you have a set amount of time to destroy all the enemies. Uh, and then eventually as you play through the campaign, you can even unlock the landmaster or even like a foot soldier armed with a bazooka so you can kind of play up uh you can play kind of different styles in these modes which is pretty cool it's like very simple but it kind of reminds me of like a more advanced mario kart 64 battle mode and it's it's simple but fun i think i i loved just the pure variety of this there was a lot of different options a lot of 
it allowed for a lot of replayability purely by all the different game types. I don't think any of these game types felt too similar to the next, and it actually made it a lot more fun. And I do think just purely having that uh, that verse mode, actually, you know, a lot of games during this time, I think you just see the focus on one area, whether it be like even if we looked at 1080, right, they they really didn't put any time into their trick attack modes, uh, but put loads of time in their racing time attack games. I think this game spent I think Star Fox 64 spent a equal amount of development time in the verse modes uh, as much as they did their main storyline mode. Um and actually made it a lot uh, much more broadly uh, appealing to people, I think. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And we kind of touched on this earlier, but they definitely had that head start because they borrowed so much development from Star Fox 2 that, you know, they, they were able to, I think, really put a lot of attention, considering they now had extra time. I think they put a lot of attention into a lot more of the the depth of the game as opposed to really perfecting one aspect of it like you said i definitely agree i think this was there's a lot of depth to this game and i don't think you saw a lot of that in the n64 error there's like a handful of games that have that level of depth and this is definitely one of them agree with that rob you want to move on to the gameplay category next yeah let's do it awesome so i'd like to kick this one off um actually. So one of the things that I want to talk about in terms of the gameplay actually is how you're proceeding through the level or the speed at which you're playing through this level. A lot of space type shooting games up until this point, I think sometimes almost go too fast through different areas of of battle. Uh, I think here they keep it a little bit on the slower side, but not too slow. Uh, We're ever in front of one individual enemy for two too long of a time so i actually think the way this rail shooting game progresses it progresses at a speed that is you know middle of the road and really gives you a chance to actually focus in and hone in on specific enemies making it a little more rewarding to play i would say yeah i i agree i feel like the the speed and i didn't even really think about the speed but yeah it is a little bit slower but at the same time the game still does a good job at bringing the intensity and i think that was really intentional because when you're going slower, like you said, you can really focus on killing enemies as opposed to when you're kind of going through, like imagine the game double speed, you know, you wouldn't really like, you'd hardly know what you're doing, you know, because you're just kind of just shooting at anything that's moving and kind of reacting and as opposed to being able to plan your, your strategy. And, And I think that it really helps when it comes to the obstacles of the game, because for me, one of the most fun and intense parts about the game is once you really get the controls down is kind of bobbing and weaving through all of the obstacles uh and and the game rewards you for doing that because often the gold rings that you use to increase your life meter those are usually hidden uh in kind of hard to reach areas so the game rewards you for for kind of uh navigating the the difficult or the the path less less followed i guess and uh a lot of that is thanks to that slower speed i i definitely feel that way and i think that leads us next into my my next topic as well um talking about the maneuverability options while flying like you put 
you put the you, you think about the speed first with this game, right? And the only other game that we the only other rail shooter game that we played in this series, and and I will admit it's not a game a game style I frequently have played, but Sin and Punishment is the only other rail shooter that we've compared in this series so far. And right. Sin and Punishment was so overwhelming visually and so fast. I didn't know what the hell I was shooting at at any given time. And I felt no connection to the game or excitement or I didn't feel any reward when killing anything. I do think with Star Fox, because they slow it down and because they have there's a lot of finesse to this particular game in terms of. Uh, how you fly and, and the different maneuvers that you have available to you, they actually put a lot more focus on having skill rather than a shoot 'em up, run through the match type of game. And 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 I would say for me personally, it's very contrary to how I typically play games. I typically am the guy that loves to run through a level, shoot everything, and then damn the rest and get to the end. This is actually one of the few games where they focused on the skill and the finesse of the flying, where there was actually a draw for me in terms of entertainment value in doing a barrel roll, in, you know, doing a backwards flip, or like slamming hard to the right and left and dodging debris. Um, Definitely one of the best games I've ever played in terms of a finesse style game where it was difficult, but it was super rewarding. And I think it was very impressive that they were able to accomplish that. Yeah. It's interesting that you, you bring up sin and punishment because one of the first things I noticed when I was playing star Fox 64, and I actually really liked sin and punishment. Uh, but the, the thing that I noticed was that star Fox really just kind of perfected the balance you know like sin and punishment is just a little bit less approachable like it still takes skill to play but you know there's a higher there's a steeper curve because of the speed and everything that's kind of coming at you at once with star fox it's a it's a lot more uh first time player friendly because it's a little bit slower and also uh you can kind of play the game however you want it if you want to kind of go crazy and and dodge all these obstacles and and all that stuff you can do that or if you kind of just want to stay in your place and not move around too much you can still get through the game fairly well doing that and in the sense of balance between your speed your enemy's speed your power your enemy's power i think is dialed in really perfectly and i think 100 that's what propelled this game into a tier and left sin and punishment more to be like a b-tier style game i i very much agree i i just think they went the finesse direction which for me doesn't always scream a successful idea just because it's not typically the type of game that i like to play but this will amaze you rob because there was so much finesse needed to get through a lot of these and i remember this like i didn't play this game a ton as a kid i never actually owned this one when i was a kid i only ever played it when i would visit my cousin's house um but I remember always struggling with it when I was younger. So jumping into this game, I actually played the training mode. I, I remembered how difficult Whoa. it was. Right? Right? Absolutely crazy for me to say. But I actually will say, as someone who's very anti-training mode, this is the game to play it in. Because there is equal fun in each level to shoot and kill bad guys as there is to like swiftly maneuver around enemies or again, debris that's flying through space. So 
I, I, totally. I think the finesse style of it and the speed, that type of gameplay options or decisions in this game were brilliant. And, and it made it fun for a person like me who doesn't typically like that style of game. Yeah, there's 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 just so much to do that I agree. You know, of course, I did the training. I do it every time, but uh, it really teaches you the uh the fundamentals and there's a lot of them if you kind of just go into the game and you haven't you didn't really play it much in your childhood or you haven't played it recently you know they're they're regular lasers charge shot bombs you somersault you can turn your plane on its side you slow down speed up barrel roll to deflect bullets like there's so many things that you can do and they're all equally useful techniques that you have to kind of switch throughout the game. So there's, you know, it takes a lot of practice. I agree. And just the personal reward factor of, of like you, like you said, it does take some time playing this game to get good at it. And I never feel like I will admit fully, I was never amazing at this particular game, but I also never found myself deterred from continuing to play it because I do think it's always within grasp of of beating certain levels or like like I don't I don't look at any individual level where it's like, oh, I'm never in my life ever going to beat this. So I put it down. I'm like, oh, maybe three or four times through. I can probably get this. So if you're willing to put some time into this game, I just think you, you're going to really feel good about it because you're going to feel like, holy shit, I crushed it. Absolutely. And, and to to pivot a little bit away from the controls, I, I did want to mention the the games length as well as its kind of st- structure a little bit which i think tie tie in hand in hand the the game is a short game right if you if you play it through in one go you can finish it in less than a couple hours i never realized how short this series this game actually was again i never played this as a kid but i always assumed it was a long adventure game but it's it's relatively quick which i actually think is to this game's advantage yeah, especially because that ties into probably the game's biggest downside is that you can't save it until you've beaten it. So if you're doing a run through, like you have to do the full run through or else you don't save any of your progress. But game will save at the very end. I have to tell you, actually, the fact that it doesn't save is one of the things I love the most about this game. So in general, I don't think, and especially back then, I don't think there was a lot of games that took into account attrition per level. I think this is truthfully one of those games that does this like ex- better than anybody else because there's consequences where if your teammate dies in a level, he's not available for the next level for you to fight with you, basically forcing them to sit out for a level. If you take X amount of damage on a given level, you're only going to give 20% of that health back going into the level after the fact. I like the fact that if you fail three levels in, it sends you back to start over. I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a lot of games that do the like attrition per level very well and i think this game did it amazingly and that was truthfully one of the things that made me a little more addicted to it is like i was not good at this game and i have no problem saying that so i would get to level it was like one or two levels after the asteroid field and i continually lost but i felt myself coming back to play more just because it was like okay i've gotten a little bit better which means I can get more stuff in level one and carry it over into level two. And that includes weapon upgrades. 
So I think it's done very, very well. That non-saving attrition factor for me was very fun. Yeah, and and they definitely wanted the game to be played in this specific way where, you know, it helps carry the intensity and the feeling of the round before when you're like, oh man, like I barely, I got by the skin of my teeth and, you know, all I have is stupid Slippy to help me out in this asteroid field. And, you know, it, it does really help carry the the intensity. Um, the only downside is, you know, playing it in a, in a modern sense, like this could be a deal breaker for some people, um, because, you know, some people just want to pick up the game and play it for 10 minutes and, and put it back down. So although I agree that the game is best played in one sitting, uh, it, it definitely could be seen as a, a downside for for some. I, I could, I could see that with, with other people not loving that, especially I do think in modern day. Very few games give you that kind of attrition. And um, and maybe it's just a product of the era that we played games in, but I love it. I, I love that, like, I got... Like, I know, obviously, this is not as long as that, but, like, I love the idea of, like, getting 10 levels in and losing it all. Something about that I love. <laughs> yeah, and it also adds to the arcade vibe that this game has. And, and the N64... Definitely. Yeah, the, the N64 is, I think, one of the last bastions of that style of arcade style games being in the mainstream you know of course you can play games even today from indie developers that really have that that vibe but but for the most part it's it's not common in the the mainstream to see that so i i do appreciate about the that about the n64 is they still kind of held on to that that old school mentality I agree, hundred percent. I think that that is a great feature, and it, it might speak to our generation of gamers. But um, it was a lot of fun. I do, I do like that arcade type of vibe. You know, that was one of the ways we played a lot of games in the past. And and you're right, on the N64, it was really the last system that that had the, a lot of those styles of games. Oh yeah, and and if you're a, if you are kind of more of a modern gamer and you're looking to play this game in more of a modern way, the game is available on the switch online so and that's actually how i played it i played it on on switch online and i use the save states so that option is available for you if you want to try this game but don't have an n64 or don't like to emulate games on your computer or whatever that that option's there awesome rob do you have anything else uh in terms of gameplay that you wanted to discuss uh the only thing is i don't know if we explicitly mentioned it maybe we did but the the game although is short it has something like i don't know 15 different missions you really only need to beat like seven of them to to beat the game but depending on how you play each mission uh you know say if you're fighting a boss and you have to kill the boss within the time limit or you fail to do so there's a branch that will send you in one or two directions based on how you play a particular mission so it's kind of almost like a choose your own adventure style game where i love those it brings the replay value it drives it up because even though the game's short you play again and you're like man how do i get on that other path you know like at the asteroid field you have an option to branch off in three different ways and you're like man how do i how do i do that so there it it gives you the opportunity to experience the game in many different lenses, especially I got to play that goddamn submarine level, Steve. Like 
I, sw- I like, would go love look to it up on that. YouTube after this. It's sick, dude. It looks awesome. So, you know, it, it makes you really want to keep coming back and j- just to see like all the aspects of the game. I do think the way that Star Fox did that, 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 cho- that choose your own adventure style game, like we've talked about that before in, in other games where they sort of have that. This does it. I like this one because the way they do do it is in between each level, right? Like it's just, it's a matter of how you finish it. So it's like one time you go in, you kill the bomb, you, you stop the guy before they blow up the bomb in the planet and you go down path one, uh, or you don't, you go down path two. And sometimes you have no idea that you're even going to go down that way. So I do think the, it does really make it much more replayable. It was done artfully here and, and very fun. I agree. Well, what do you think, Steve? Do you want to go into difficulty? Definitely. Um, do you mind if I kick this one off as well? Uh, I, I'm always a big fan of talking about this particular topic. Um, Please do. But I actually loved the difficulty level in this game. Now, as I've mentioned a bunch, definitely was not a game that I was very strong at. But I do think at every corner, the difficulty of this game was fair it progressed nicely, and at no point did I ever feel overwhelmed to the point of being deterred from playing. If anything, the difficulty that I had with this game only drew me to play a little bit more. Um, so I, I think they nailed they nailed balance in this game more than anything. The more we talk about it in each particular category, I think they just had a really nice balance. And I think that um, comes through in the difficulty category as well. I couldn't agree more. Really, the the difficulty was just dialed in perfectly, uh, and and we've already talked about this a little bit. But you know, there's so many actions you can take take while flying your ship, and uh, to master the controls, it really rewards you for putting in the hours, and it makes the game so fun to you know zip around all the obstacles like a crazy person. And overall just creates a really fun, well-balanced, well-dialed-in game that rewards you for putting in the time. And not only does it reward you, but it makes it fun to keep playing and, and try to get better. I agree. Um, I myself don't have too much more to speak to in terms of difficulty outside of that. So, Rob, if you're okay with it, I'd love to jump to story next. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. How about you kick us off this one? Yeah, so I'll I'll share a little bit of the 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 background story for the game. I'll start off by saying that cuz I didn't know this initially, but cuz I didn't I didn't play the original Star Fox for the Super Nintendo too much, but apparently Star Fox 64 is a reboot of the original Star Fox game. So I never knew that either. I, I, I that. myself also did not play the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, it, it doesn't hold up super well just because it has uh, some frame rate issues. Like, it looks really cool. It was one of the first, like, games that really nailed the, the 3D look. Uh, they have, you know, the 3D polygons and all of that. But and that's early for the Super Nintendo. Yeah, and they, you know, they, they utilized the, you know, a, a special chip to, to pull it off. But uh, because of the frame rate issues, that game doesn't hold up su- super well. You're always better off playing Star Fox 64. But I think they actually have people out there that mod the game to improve the frame rate and, and things like that. So that's probably the best way to play this, the Super Nintendo one. But anyways, so for this particular game, uh, the, there's this guy, Andross. 
he's kind of an asshole. He was an asshole. So they exiled him to planet Venom because he was, he was, you know, causing a bunch of problems in the Lilat system where Star Fox lives. And uh, General Pepper and Fox's father, James, were sent to investigate Venom, basically. And they were betrayed by this pig asshole. And, you know, Pepper barely escaped and James, Star Fox's dad, was captured. So that's in the past. Now, present day, Andros is once again attacking the Lilat system. And now a new team led by Star Fox is is assembled to take him down. And that's that's kind of like, you know, I don't want to get too much into the rest of the story because you you'll you kind of learn it as you as you play through. And, you know, the story's kind of cliche, but I, I got to say it's more interesting than probably a majority of the stories on the system when you think of like a lot of the first party Nintendo games like Mario and Donkey Kong and Kirby, you know, they're, they're really kind of bare bones and the point of playing those games is not really for the story. So it's almost non-existent in some of those other games. And I think for this one, it actually was like, though it was very straightforward and obvious, I feel it was fun. And just as a side note, you know, playing the game, you listen to all these names, but actually hearing you read them out, the names are hilarious. Sergeant Pepper, Slippy, uh, like all, all these names for all Pepe, like all these names for all these characters, like even Planet Venom, like it's all obviously hilarious, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think that the game, you know, you, you're definitely not meant to take it too seriously. You, you know, one thing that cracks me up is a guy, <laughs> the guy's name is James. And he names his child Star Fox. I know. Like, what a bad it's just like, this kid's gonna be. Yeah, it puts a lot of it puts a lot of pressure on Star Fox's shoulders, uh, and it's also just like classic celebrity behavior. Like, uh, I don't, I can't think of an example of a celebrity who named didn't like Tom Cruise name his kid like Apple or something. No, it wasn't Tom. It wasn't Tom Cruise. Like, I think it was like. I might be wrong. I'm thinking like Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't even know if she has kids, but it's someone like that. But yes, where they or like a Kanye West kid is named his kid Northwest. <laughs> yeah. Or like Frank Zappa named his daughter Moon Unit. That's like amazing. That kind of that kind of thing. So it's like, yeah, I guess if my name is if my name is James, I might consider naming my kid something wild like Star Fox. I, I get it. That's awesome. <laughs> Another thing the game has, which is pretty cool for the time, it, it was really starting to, uh, it, it was a budding concept at the moment, especially for cartridge games, but uh, the game had some voice acting. Wasn't very great by modern standards, but you know, it was decent and cool that they had it in there. And I think, especially in terms of your party system, like we were talking before, it's really cool to hear them kind of chiming in. Like if, if you mess up and they're or like you accidentally, uh, I find myself shooting my teammates a lot on accident and just the insults. They give you a great for that. Yeah. The, the dialogue is generally pretty goofy and borderline terrible at sometimes, but some of the lines are pretty hilarious. Like at one point, Peppy just goes, uh, he yells, quit dinking around slip. I just like, I almost <laughs> spit my water out while I was playing. Just ridiculous. I, I gotta tell you, I, I never really thought about it, the fact that this was an N64 game, and they were actually using, like, regular audio uh, audio files, essentially, which definitely was not the norm on that system. Like, even in terms of every game we played so far, 
this might be the first one that actually has like real audio in it. Yeah, it's it's a little bit harder for the cartridge games, I think, because they have limited space. You know, if you go to um, the PlayStation, which was out in parallel, you saw a lot more of the uh, the voice acting because it, I think it was a little easier with the CD format to pull gotcha. it off. So yeah, yeah, I, I agree. We we didn't we haven't seen it too much, and and if it is, it's just like grunts, like Donkey Kong. Yeah, uh, drop kicking somebody and he grunts a little bit. That's kind of like the extent of really what we see. We've seen so far. It's a great catch. Um, so uh, in terms of story, do you have anything else you'd like to discuss? Nope, I think I think that's it for me. Awesome. So I'd love to jump next into the visual presentation. And for me, I actually thought the visuals were pretty good and held up well for the game of this era. Um I don't think they tried to overwhelm you at any point um, to the benefit of the game now. And because it's space invadery and what and, you know, a little nonsensical, I do think they got to be a little creative with the enemies that they give you. And actually, I thought in terms of visuals, some of the enemy attack visuals were done the best in this game. Um in particular, I keep on thinking of one enemy that basically sends like a, a colored ring charge at you several times. And visually, I actually thought that was pretty impressive for a game of this age. Yeah, I, ha- I hadn't really thought about that too much. I, I do think that the enemy designs in general, I really liked. I didn't really notice their attacks too much. But you know what I was thinking of a lot while I was playing this game is a lot of the enemies gave me... They're like these nightmare monstrosity creatures that I'd expect to see in like a Legend of Zelda game. Yes. That's, that's what I was thinking while I was playing. It's, it's funny. And I, I know you bring it up in terms of a visual, but I think sound and visual on this game. And I don't know if it's because the release date was not too far before Ocarina of Time, but I felt the audio and a lot of the visuals really, really took me to a, a thought process of like Ocarina of Time. And I think they were so similar. And I, I have to say, you can hear certain sounds and even see certain enemies and easily understand how it was might have been translated over into uh, Ocarina of Time. Very, very similar in terms of visuals and audio, I think, between the two games. Yeah, definitely those bosses, like they're just weird, like nonsense creatures that yes. that I have. I feel like I've seen a, a ton of times in Zelda games throughout the years. Uh, another thing that I thought, so yeah, the, the game looks good. The environments are good. The ships and character models are good. Wor- world design is good. Uh, one thing I really liked, which was, I think, a good bit of flair or added a good bit of flair to the game were the cutscenes. You know, before... Every mission, sometimes after each mission, there was like a, a small cutscene. And uh, e- even if the cutscene is just uh, you starting the mission and your, your ship, it just shows your ship kind of just cruising through the sky. And then there's like a little conversation between your team. And then the match starts. It just adds like instead of just going match to match to match, they, they kind of break it up a little bit in between. And I feel like that gives like a really nice bit of flair. That serves the game well. I, I actually do agree. And I also think it brings some continuity uh, for the story, too, just to have those little cutscenes, And it, it, it keeps the flow of the game um, consistent, I think. Yep, I agree. All right. So next, let's get into this overall sound design. I know I touched on this a little bit uh, previously, but 
one of the things I just really have to say, I loved the sound in its entirety of this game. I love the enemy attacks. I love the quips from your AIs. I even loved also too, like when you'd fight some of your enemies, like when uh wolf comes down with uh the pig that betrayed everybody. Those were pretty funny. Um, the sounds was, was very tastefully done. And it's honestly, I think of any game we played so far, one of the better sounding games for me. Um, and maybe it is because it does remind me a lot of uh, Ocarina of Time, but I, I love the sound design here. The only thing I would say is your partner AI commentary sometimes felt a little too repetitive, but still it was it, it didn't detract too much. We're looking at you, Slippy. Definitely Slippy. Pepe <laughs> isn't too much better either. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you know what I like about the sound is the music does not let you forget that you're flying into war like the music sets that that vibe really well and you can tell that a lot of effort was put into the sound of this game and kind of transporting you into that battlefield you know because in a game like this if the music felt flat that would have been just a significant detractor from the game i really really agree with that i i do think if the music was bad this game would have been much worse yeah, and and another thing too, the game makes sure you know it when you crash into stuff and you take damage. You know, when you're when you crash into something and you know you hear the kind of like alert sound going off, it it, it does kind of really put you in in the cockpit, so so to speak. And kind of just speaking, this this isn't really sound, but something that I forgot to mention earlier, in in terms of like that engagement that you get. This is the first game ever to utilize the rumble pack. So if you're playing this game on your N64, I highly recommend that you use the rumble pack for this game because it really helps improve the immersion factor. I got to find one of those rumble packs online and order one. I have one, but it's by, from when I was a kid and it definitely doesn't work. But um, yeah, that, I didn't realize that because to me, Star Fox was... It always was to me that Star Fox felt like an earlier N64 game and playing this game now between the sound and the visual and everything, it makes you feel like it's one of the last games that came out on this system. Like that's how, how well it was, was done. And I do, it must speak a lot to the fact that so much of it was taken from that Star Fox two that you mentioned. Yeah. I, I had the same thought while I was playing this game that, you know, the game came out in 97. So only what a year after the N64 came yeah. out like it's and it doesn't pretty, feel that early way at all. on yeah it, it just it aged so well and it, it was just it, it was just perfectly executed i think with that that's a perfect segue into modern appeal and uh i have to say i do agree with rob i, I do think this game just holds up incredibly incredibly well in today's environment and i actually also played this game mainly on the switch and i you, you've heard me voice this in the past with other games, but I do think some of the games that have transitioned to the Switch, I just think purely on control mapping, it just hasn't worked. This game worked the best out of any game so far that I've played on the N64 pack on the Switch, where it just it feels natural as you're doing different maneuvers, as you're attacking with different weapons. I think this game just like translates perfectly to that handheld device, and it 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 really has a lot of modern day appeal and the fact that it's just widely available is very very important too to echo what steve said the, the game holds up 
super well. It just looks and sounds good. Tight controls. The difficulty and intensity are dialed in perfectly. There's tons of mission variety. You know, the game is short. If you're trying to get a ton of hours into into the game, you might you you might not put as much or many hours into this game as you would like to. So the re- replay value can be a little limited, but there's still tons to do. Uh, and sometimes it's nice to just pick up a game and play it for you know a few hours and then move on to something else. I, I agree. I think this game was actually the right length for me. I, going into this, I thought this game was going to be a much longer game than it ended up being. But I think because there's so much technique and finesse it doesn't need to be a long game um i I think it almost plays better on the shorter side um i think if you continued on with it i think it would get a little dull or repetitive all right uh i think that does it for us for modern day appeal i think we sort of hit the gamut on that so i'd love to get into our final thoughts and scores rob so what did you rank this game at today I gave Star Fox 64 a 4.3 out of 5. And believe it or not, folks, this is one of the very few situations where I also gave this game a 4.3 out of 5. I think, you know, hey, very, very rare for us to actually (laughs) agree this this solidly on a game. But I think I think just all the way around, this game was excellent and it deserves this highest score. I agree. It was kind of nice to just sit here and just gush about a game for an hour. That was that's pretty nice. And that gives us an overall N sixty four U rating of four point three is the official rating for us today. Very nice. And with that, we've reached the end of another episode of the N64U podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please like us on Facebook via our N64U, a retro gaming podcast page, or follow us on Instagram for all of our latest updates and announcements. And don't forget to subscribe and rate slash review us on your favorite podcasting app, which will keep you up to date on our latest episodes and help us reach more lovely people such as yourself. And if you have any questions or comments, please shoot us an email at n64upodcast at gmail.com and we'll read it out on the show. This is Rob and Steve signing off from your home for all things N64 here at the N64U Podcast. Thanks for listening.